Being able to utilize the affordances of technology is a sought-after skill, especially in a world that is in a state of flux. This episode is with Ferdinand Whitman. Ferdinand is a science teacher who has self-directed his own learning and developed the skills required to create content in the form of videos. These videos are posted on his YouTube channel called Let's Learn Science. And some of the clips that are on his channel have had 80,000 plus views. And he's receiving quite a lot of positive feedback from students and viewers around the world alike. So enjoy this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast with Chris McGuire. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Lifelong Learning Podcast. Today is episode number 1 for 2018, which is very exciting, and I'm joined by science teacher extraordinaire, Ferdinand Whitman. Ferdinand, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, Now, you've just shown me a whole lot of contemporary uh, tools that you're using within your science class, but let's just stop and, and break down for the people listening today. You're currently working at Loyola Senior High School, yep. located Rudy Hill, Western Sydney. Mm-hmm. You've just started here? That's right. So my first three weeks. Oh, first three weeks. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Ferdinand, w- yeah. where are you from? I was born in Germany. Uh, left Germany when I was about four. Uh, then lived a couple of years in Hong Kong, Malaysia, and Singapore. Mm-hmm. So most of my schooling was uh, in Hong Kong, Malaysia, and Singapore in very small classrooms. In international schools, um, where my biggest class I ever had was 15 students. And the average was probably seven, eight students in my primary and junior, and junior high school. Wow. And then I came here when I was in year 11 and 12, um, about 17 years ago. And... Still at international school, so I never went mm-hmm. to a local uh, government or uh, Catholic school here in Australia. Um, Sorry, with that, was that the International Baccalaureate that you yep, were that's right, the, with? Yeah, so the IB at the German International School. Uh, finished that in 2000, like 2004 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, then did a, a bachelor's in science mm-hmm. um, and wanted to do focus more initially on nutrition and sports science but then found my interest in teaching. I did a master's in teaching in Western Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, which I graduated from 2011. Yep. Um, and then I've been teaching ever since. Excellent. Why science? Did you, uh, growing up, did you have a, a science teacher, I guess, who made an impact on your life? Or? Yeah. No, actually, I to tell my students it's actually the opposite. Um, not that I didn't have, I had good science teachers, but um, in, seven, in, high, in high school, I always was the bottom student in both science and maths what I teach at the moment mm-hmm. um, and for me it was because all the movement between countries um, and the lack of confidence in terms of my academic ability that came out of it I just felt that those two subjects was something that I wasn't very good at mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons we actually came here to Australia is because in the German school system if you don't get certain grades you can't go on to 11, 12 mm-hmm. like you have to basically finish um, in year 10 and my parents really wanted me to do go to university yep. so we came to Australia we did the IB there which I could do the 11 12 for mm-hmm. um, and then found because of the pressure coming here because my parents one of the reasons why we came here is my parents actually wanted me to um, do 11 12 I found more pressure and obviously apply myself more mm-hmm. and found that it wasn't actually too difficult mm-hmm. um, and then got better 
and then got to university got even better um, and then the one thing that I realized made me made my science prove a lot was actually that uh, at some point because I used to go my undergrad was in Newcastle so I was yep. living in Epping and I had to kind of move go there by train oh wow and, what a um, commute it was one biochemistry subject where there was one day where it was just one lecture and I had to travel there and travel back just for that one lecture. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I got there, I was so exhausted, I couldn't pay attention properly. Mm-hmm. And I would just get back and, and I'd be quite tired. But then the actual lecturers this was something in 2007 or something, started to record their lectures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could actually watch it from home without having to go all the way just for one lecture. And I found that that medium for me was, was, was quite good. I mean, I enjoyed uh, listening to it could not have to worry about having to travel that distance mm-hmm. um, and then that year um, I topped that biochemistry subject going from credits to high distinction in basically mm-hmm. a very short period of time um, and then I just realized it's teaching something I like doing I've, I wanted to go back to high school yep. um, and help those students who might not feel like they can do science basically do science better that's great. And listening to your upbringing and, and moving from school to school to finally settling in Australia and having that consistency, mm. but also, I guess, that pedagogical uh, approach to to viewing a filmed lecture, mm. that that seems to have been a benefit for you, yeah. which is a great segue into mm. uh, this podcast because yeah. you have now adopted this within your your teaching um, and you're leading the bi- biology and chemistry um, here at Loyola and you're applying these um, approaches within your classes. Mm. No, I mean, I basically started, so I made my own YouTube channel. Uh, this was 2011. This was my last year of um, my master's program to become mm-hmm. a teacher. And the idea was, because I was tutoring, helping students uh, in Blacktown, a small little um, migrant center. Yep. And I was making them videos, um, not thinking much at the time, making videos for them, for their bio, for their chemistry. Um, so I uploaded them to, to bias to YouTube for them to watch. Um, and also for me to learn because, I mean, I, ta- I did the IB, I didn't do the HSC. So mm-hmm. I knew I needed to actually gain all that information uh, before I started teaching. So I figured making that YouTube channel was actually going to probably benefit me even more because I get to kind of teach and learn the content. Um, so I, that's the reason why I made it. And then I realized people actually started watching it. People started sending me messages saying mm-hmm. it was quite useful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I figured I'd, I'll finish it. So I was within, this was just before I finished uh, my master's program 2011-2012 I just figured I'll finish the whole syllabus for mm-hmm. bio and chemistry so that was quite intense but I had the time at home mm-hmm. um, because I had lots of support as well so so you've created video content for the whole syllabus yeah for bio and for chemistry for, for the agency so yeah. I made it um, because I mean, the current syllabus is, is quite structured so I just figured I'll just cover it all in detail mm-hmm. um, and just made I think four or five hundred videos in about nine months mm-hmm. um, and then started teaching when I started teaching it was actually junior high school so the videos themselves I could never use in class because I was teaching juniors was that disappointing I mean if you make, you make 500 videos yeah. you want to bring one out yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, well I started making some videos for, for my junior high school students initially as well yeah um, but like for me I mean I really never regretted doing it because it's just the amount of the amount you learn like I always as soon as I stepped in the classroom because I knew my year 12 content and 11 content so well that teaching juniors is different obstacles when you teach junior science and uh, senior science but the content part was never my problem mm-hmm. so 
I knew I had that in the back of my mind. I knew I had that covered. So I could focus more on the other parts of teaching, which classroom management and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I knew at some point, I mean, now, for example, new syllabus comes out. I knew that at some point I needed to make that next step to actually definitely be able to teach 11 and 12. Yeah. Um, so I could, would have to remake the old videos, which I'm doing at the moment. But... Um, but it's been really, I mean, all the messages I get from, from the YouTube channel, from students who say, you know, I've been a really good teacher for them for the full year, but I have no idea who they are because they just mm-hmm. give me that message at the end of the year and I've never met them before. But um, I know it keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to, because focusing on junior science, I had to kind of stop posting for a while just because I had, to, had two kids plus, um, plus all the other commitments of work. But, but yeah, I'm back now because obviously I'm, just teaching seniors mm-hmm. and I've got that new syllabus to focus on um, but no it's been really really good what you're doing here there's a there's a frame within my work I, we kind of there's a few frameworks that we share with teachers and one of them is the TPAC framework have you heard of this before? no so TPAC just basically it's uh, created by Panya Mishara and Dr. Matt Kohler and it's um, it's pretty much it focuses on the use of technology pedagogy and content and it talks about when these three elements are married up, mm. this convergence is, will create, you know, a, a contemporary, you know, powerful use of technology mm. um, to really serve the students. So rather than, you know, it's, it's great to have this technical skill yeah. and make wonderful videos, but if the content's not there, um, and it's great to have the videos, but if we're not making them available or if it's yeah. not built into your programming. So what you've shown me um, before we yeah. started recording today it just seemed like a perfect intersection mm. of that of that framework. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned this impact for you when you watched these videos. Um, and you, you you mentioned that it had such a, a big impact on you, you know, your results. and um, But now using these videos in a networked society mm. where, you know, the learning moves beyond the traditional walls of, your, of, of the schooling, you, you're receiving um, feedback from students, which is great. What does it look like results-wise? What, what is a measurement of, of this pedagogical approach? Now, for me, I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, assessment data, um, for me, it, just using technology has always been something that I want to avoid. Uh, using it in a way that is actually constructive and productive is something that I always try to, to focus on. And um, my students always point out that I seem to be using all these different things a lot, as in keep trying new things, mm-hmm. because I need to, I want to narrow it down. If I use something that's not very useful, well, I can phase it out. But I want to find things that tend to work. So um, what I'm currently, the way I currently teach is basically has been, it's still evolving all the time, mm-hmm. but I keep trying to narrow it down to something that will actually get results, not just looks fancy, but actually is, um, is good. Mm-hmm. It's something that the students students enjoy students um, benefit from yeah um, so at the moment I, I usually make my videos I embed questions in them put them on a platform that links to Google Classroom so all my students are, have a Google Classroom account mm-hmm. and it links them to the Airpuzzle which is where my videos are hosted um, and I basically get to see their progress I get to see if they're watching the videos uh, I get to see the questions that I've embedded I get to see the results as well mm-hmm. um, so with, with that just to yeah. um, kind of zone in on that you put this video up. You put all this time into this wonderful video to support the learning. You've got the analytics via Edpuzzle to let you know 
one if the students watch the video in the yep. first place um, their responses to the to the questions that you've embedded yep. in the video can they also ask you questions about yep yep so you can embed short answer questions so um, I always have my very last thing was always a question which is any questions or comments mm-hmm. so I tell them if you have anything obviously I can actually reply to them when they can check their puzzle or mm-hmm. I will actually obviously if it's a bigger question I'll address it in class yep. but um, that's a really important part because um, that means it could just be a comment about something that someone might be interested in, mm-hmm. which I can then explore more as a class uh, next day. Because usually we, I do the flip classrooms. It's the first time they've heard all that content is when they mm-hmm. actually watch the video. And, um, and, and for people listening, the flip classroom, if you want to break that down for our listeners. Yep. So again, the, I may try to get my students to be as prepared as possible. So they've watched the video beforehand. They haven't learned. We haven't taught this at all in class. Uh, they watch what I'm going to be covering as their homework mm-hmm. uh, so it's me discussing and I cover I mean I try to cover as much detail as possible so usually my videos are seven eight minutes long mm-hmm. um, and in that seven eight minutes I cover actually majority of what gets covered in the class mm-hmm. so they already have a pretty good understanding of what we're going to cover um, and I focus more on the application part in class mm-hmm. and I get the students to kind of help me out with actually answering uh, what they meant to know as opposed to me just writing it all on the board so we, I do still uh, cover it but I get them to actually uh, cover it without me actually being there and talking about everything in detail and, and I love that formative data yeah. is being collected overnight. <laughs> That's right. Um, and as soon as, and it's really important for me because I, I look at every question, I discuss every question as a class. And then the question, obviously, that where students are more confused by, I'll stop there for longer and I'll discuss it in more detail. Mm-hmm. But I know if, as soon as they come in, I know not if they, only if they've done it, but what parts they might struggle with still the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and the students know that I know. And um, they often even tell me things like, you know, I might need help, more help. That's the question they give me or the comment they give me. They might need more help with this one area. Yep. Instead of having to put their hands up, I can actually come next day and speak to them one-on-one mm-hmm. uh, because they've raised a, a concern that they didn't understand that one concept. That's great. And, and again, it's available for that asynchronous learning. They can watch it many times. Yep. I mean, I, as a student, I was someone who needed to get many yeah. hits to form an understanding of a concept yeah. you know so it's a great way it's a great use of technology but let's think on the other, other on the other side of the coin so students need to be able to access these mm. videos yeah. so what, what's it look like here at Leola yeah I mean, Loyola, sorry. Yeah. I'm at my previous school is St. Clair's, uh, which is close to here as well in Rudy Hills. Uh, and now I'm at Loyola. Um, well, most of our students, or maybe 80% of our students, have a device okay. and internet, uh, but then 20% of them don't. Uh, so either they don't have a device or they don't have internet. Um, so the ones who have a device and have internet, it's not an issue. They can just watch mm-hmm. it at home. And it's pretty, I mean, if they don't watch it, uh, then I can always obviously call home, whatever else might we have to do. But generally, they'll they just watch it. And the other twenty percent um, here at uh, Loyola, I've got we've got the library that is open till four o'clock, mm-hmm. where they have access to a device at any time. So uh, no excuses if a student knows. And I usually put the videos up. So and this is especially for the students who I know have a, a struggle with uh, internet at home or no device. I usually put them up. So by the the Friday, so tomorrow, I'll have the vast majority of videos up for the next week. Yeah. Um, to make sure that. You know, if a student can't watch it at home, but he can dedicate an hour after school on Friday or an hour school after school on Monday, that he can basically watch the videos ready. That's great. Um, ideally, they always watch the night before, but obviously I know students sometimes have things on. Or, um, yeah, if they don't have internet at home, 
well then if they can do it all one day one go mm -hmm. uh, it's easier for them so I try to accommodate all different because here like well that's not that not as simple as it might be in different schools where maybe everyone has internet at home we do mm -hmm. have some parents some children uh, students who don't um, but yeah, there's ways around here level mm -hmm. and I uh, still get majority of basically everyone watching them that's great and uh, what a, what a what a humongous amount of content you've, you're creating yeah. do you go back to the first video and think oh geez look at the production values of this what was that well for me I mean no, I Sinclair's when I was at Sinclair's I actually um, used to make um, because that's junior high school and I still make videos for them to watch and I would actually make them very personal so I would often mention student names in the videos and would just be uploaded just for them mm -hmm. in um, a closed network in a so closed network yeah. right so in a closed network only watched by them um, but for me I mean I, I never think about the actual values the, the whole idea of putting them on YouTube as well is was to make it uh, accessible for everyone um, but I mean I enjoy making them it's, it's big it's, it's a lot of work t to do mm -hmm. it but it that's the way I teach so for me it's just part of my teaching preparation mm -hmm. um, if I don't do that then I can't teach the way I want to teach so that's the way I see it so let's talk about the process so if a science teacher is listening to this or any teacher of any KLA for that matter what is let's go through some of the equipment you're using so uh, when I looked at your first video I said to you it's got a Khan mm. Khan Academy feel yeah. so it's the, it's the same software is that right yeah same software so what I did actually after I finished university when I was um Trained to become a teacher uh, because again I wanted to rehash the content, especially maps as well. Mm -hmm. So I found Khan Academy and I found his videos to be very useful as well. Um, so then I found out what he uses and basically he used um, Smooth Draw, which is very similar to Paint. It's like a paint application that has a it's a bit more fancy, but it's more or less like Paint. Yeah. Um, and then I use um, Camtasia Studio, which is recording software. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I mean, any screen recording software will what? too, and they don't have to be. I mean, this one costs a bit of money, but e even for a free one that is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. like I get my students to make their own videos if they have an Apple that's already on their QuickTime, that's already on their device. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just something that records your screen, really. Mm -hmm. um, the Smooth Draw is the, the app that let, lets me draw. Um, but that's, again, it could be even just paint, really. Yep. Uh, so those two don't have to cost anything. Um, then I use a tablet, which is a Wacom tablet. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, you can get it from JB Hi-Fi, from Harvey Norman, basically mm -hmm. any store. Uh, I think it's about $100 for that for the tablet. And then, I mean, you, I've got a 100 something dollar microphone at the moment, but you can have anything else, as long as it has a decent quality. Yep. Um, so that's what I use. So I've got my Wacom tablet to, to draw. I've got my um, software my, my paint-like application and my screen recording technology um, and yeah, the microphone. But mm -hmm. all of them is really, I mean, most almost all that is free and then if you want to put some money into it, it's, you're looking at probably $100 or so, mm -hmm. 150 And then prior to all that, you've got to get your master's degree as well. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, most, and the thing is most, uh, in YouTube, you've got a lot of people who do make amazing videos um, and very informative videos who don't have a master's degree in, in teaching. So That's right. I was going um, to say, so these skills that you've developed on your own, you've gone off, you've self-directed this, how to use this equipment, hmm. you know, what's the mic? I can see you've got the Yeti, the blue yeah. mic over there. Um, you've self-directed yourself. You've developed these skills. Can you see yourself transferring this into other areas? I mean, you mentioned you've got two children. Hmm. Um, you know, how do you... Yeah, go through the morning routine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't know. Like, have you have you applied these skills in other areas? Yeah, 
Well, again, because my wife's actually doing primary school teaching as well. We've, we've looked at things like this. Both me and my wife at the moment are working, so we're not at home. They're with the mm-hmm. grandparents. So we've done things like their their book. So we've scanned their books yep. and just kind of have us reading through the book for them. And they can watch it at any time as well. That's um, great. Some little things like that. Um, and even because for me, I find it's a very good way of learning. So mm-hmm. making a video, once you have to explain something, um, it just sticks in your mind. Mm-hmm. So learning languages, all that kind of stuff, I've used that before to try to actually mm-hmm. get myself talking, explaining things in that kind of form, which then helps me sink it in. So anything that is with learning, yep. you can use that kind of um, platform for. I, I'm right into uh, Eddie Wu. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yep, yep. A, teachers who are not just doing the screen recording, but they're actually filming themselves mm-hmm. in a lesson. Yep. Do you see something, especially in a science that is uh, like an applied science w- where you would actually go through experiments and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Have you, is this something that you... Well, that's, yeah. that's something I've actually spoken to my students about. And this is obviously something that, uh, because now I'm teaching 11, 12, and um, I have made, so when I was in uh, St. Clair's Junior High School, 7, 10, I actually get my students to make videos. Uh, again, it was kept in their own platform, uh, mm-hmm. so no one else was seeing it. But yep. videos where they made the video, so they actually recorded the experiment. They had then, so it was half them record doing the experiment. The other half was them talking through what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a great way to understand the knowledge, you, mm. you know, where, where your students are at. A great assessment mm. tool as well. Yep, that's right. So, um, and, it, and the students enjoyed it. And again, as you mentioned, you can actually use it to see if they kind of get what they're meant to get. Um, but for things like experiments, most definitely. Um, f- and generally, I mean, I will most likely try it out at some point as well. So obviously, you mentioned the Wu who does it in the classroom uh, to see how that works as well. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I guess privacy, I, I just never, I was think about students in terms of, I might have to get more permission, this and that and this. Absolutely. Um, especially if it's put somewhere on a, on a public platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've definitely done it for on the pl- private platform with my students where they actually um, did, made the videos themselves, but where they're actually, uh, you can see them doing the experiment, discussing it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ferdinand, it, I'm, I'm with a science teacher. And you, as you mentioned, you 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 know you know your chemistry and your biology. Can you tell me something cool? <laughs> tell me something cool about now. You mentioned um, in year eleven, chemistry mm. is uh, especially important because it's understanding that language. Yeah, that's the you know foundation for, and I guess for most science. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, I mean that's why the reason why I love science is just because if you really understand science it just makes sense you can make sense of life mm-hmm. um, so chemistry for example uh, once you get chemistry in your living then chemistry for the rest of your life you'll just understand why things happen the way they do mm-hmm. um, and what's like some of that key language just you know I, I know it's a broad stroke but mm-hmm. what is the key term, key understandings you should un- you should yeah. get with chemistry yeah. in your living I mean uh, chemistry is obviously things like chemical reactions um, we mm-hmm. can memorize them we can kind of write them down but just the idea not just what a chemical action is but why it happens mm-hmm. so I mean one thing I often mention to my students at the moment is um, if they look at things like uh, the periodic table they'll mm-hmm. see you know, group 1 has sodium potassium uh, what's the what's the letter for sodium NA which actually stands for natrium alright that's right so, good um, <laughs> but I often ask them you know why have you have you seen these metals before mm-hmm. um, do you know what they look like and most of them will tell me no uh, whereas then other ones which are more in a different part of the table, things like 
copper, gold, or silver, uh, they know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And just the idea in terms of why why might they never seen sodium before? Why might they never seen potassium before? Mm-hmm. Even though it's a very important um, element. And just the idea that some things are reactive, which means they might be in, in its normal form for a few seconds, but then reacts with something else immediately mm-hmm. and can never see its normal form. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like gold and silver are one of the only unreactive metals, which is why we can see it in that pure form. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's used for what it's used for, which is jewelry and whatnot. Um, oh, okay. But yep. just that kind of stuff, uh, just for them to get why some stuff, you know, we can find it the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, copper, gold, silver, other things that can only be found combined with something else mm-hmm. you never actually see the true properties of the element mm-hmm. um, what about um, like radioactive materials yeah, that's actually what I'm covering with my 11s um, next period but, um, but that's usually pretty fun as well so mm-hmm. we talk about obviously is um, that the purple on the periodic table no I mean, every one of those can actually be uh, radioactive um, so anything above uranium is definitely radioactive mm-hmm. but uh, carbon-14 or carbon-12. Carbon-12 is, is not radioactive, but carbon-14 is. So it has to do with the... Is that to do with carbon dating as well? Carbon-14? That's right. Carbon-14 is carbon, it's used for carbon dating. Carbon-12 is, well, you can use your maths to figure out basically the ratio of carbon-14 to carbon-12. Mm-hmm. That's for radio dating. But uh, carbon-12 is not radioactive and carbon-14 is. So carbon-14 will decay over time to carbon-12. Yep. And then we can have a look at the ratio of carbon-14 to carbon-12 to figure out how old something is. Wow. Um, so that kind of stuff is something that we cover yeah, tomorrow with my 11s. And those experiments where you can see it as yeah. well. You know, I mean, it's a, as a, as a scient- working as a scientist, you know, yeah. to see what happens and observe. Yeah, that's right. I mean, usually the experiments are the bits that students really love. Even though that bit they love as well, experiments really love as well. I mean, here in senior high school, we need to make sure, obviously, that they, even at junior, you want to make sure that they actually get what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, Instead of just seeing the big lights and that's the big right. bangs. That's yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So and that's the focus, I guess, so making sure that they understand how that theoretical component and then really actually appreciate what they see mm-hmm. in the experiment. And with such knowledge, I mean, these students are so lucky to have such a dedicated professional who's, you know, and it's something that pe- listeners should really re- remember, you know, if you are a teacher, you know, the amount of training that you've gone through, the travel to Newcastle mm-hmm. back and forth or, you know, wh- where you've been built at or wh- whatever the circumstance for that teacher training. But it's, it's great to hear someone who's not only gone through, done the training, but taken a step further to be innovative mm-hmm. with the use of technology um, and, and being innovative to serve mm-hmm. the students in your care yeah. so it's been great speaking to with you uh, Ferdinand um, is there anywhere we, we could find you I mean your YouTube channel I'm sure people listen to this yeah. want to check out some of your uh, yeah. I see I've got the uh, Let's Learn Science YouTube channel so that's uh, my current channel where I've got all the current HSC chemistry and bio videos and at the moment I'll be working with most likely CDP working on a separate channel that covers all the new content so I've been working on it testing it with my students um, but at some point they'll be released on a separate channel in the near future and we should also keep an eye out for your wife and the uh, videos you may be making in the primary domain as that's well that's right yeah so we've already trained her up um, and she's it's quite eager to, to have a go at that too um, she'll become a primary school teacher hopefully next year pretty sure of course Ferdinand Whitman, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having me.